Good morning, Miles City. How you guys doing today? Man, lively crowd, second service. This is awesome. We're so glad that you're here with us today. If you're watching online, we want to welcome you as well. And also, Miles City Espanol, as uh, pray for the person uh, translating my talk into Spanish. But they are listening, and so you'll see some slides that have Spanish on them. That's the reason. Obviously, you saw how exciting it was to see one of our Mile City Espanol members get baptized a couple weeks ago, how exciting that is. But we're so glad that you're here. Before I jump in, we're starting off a brand new series in John, and we have journals available. Um, these journals have uh, one side is the scripture, the other side is blank. This isn't so you can write your own Bible. This is just so, you guys didn't like that joke. So this is just so you can take notes, all right? And um, write some things down. If you want one of these, we have them available in the lobby. And you're not going to hurt my feelings if you go grab one. They're $5. If you can't afford $5 or don't have $5 with you, just take a book. All right? We want you to get one. And so that way, we're going to be in John. We're going to go through this book. And we'd love for you to write down some things that stick out to you. Mark that up. And that way you can remember things better if you write those down. All right? So go grab those. But we are in this series. And... um, we, our staff and our teaching team over the last month has been praying about and reading through the book of John. And, hey, what is God speaking to us about? What things do we want to, uh, what, what, what's he spoken to us about that we can share with other people? And Travis, our lead pastor, came up with this idea of perspective. And so looking at it from a different, and so you saw the, the intro video, the picture that's up here kind of gives you an idea that, hey, this is where we're going. How do, we, how do we perceive things? How do we look at things? In fact, the dictionary gives us this definition of perspective. It says this, a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something, a point of view. I like that last thing, a point of view, looking at it, a certain point of view. Um, I was studying this week, and, and when you draw, which is not one of my abilities, I don't have a lot of abilities, and drawing is definitely not one of them. I'm really good at stick figures. That's the extent of my drawing ability. But I didn't know this. When you draw, there's several different perspectives that you can take on. Uh, the one-point perspective is looking at something basically from the front. And then there's the two-point where it's kind of at an angle. You're looking at it at an angle. The three-point perspective is when you use three vanishing points, almost as if you were looking down on the drawing. You're looking down on top of it. And then the last perspective that's very popular is the multi-point perspective. And that's where uh, the grid and the plane is different for all uh, the objects of the drawing. Almost like it's coming to life right there. It's, it's this thing. And so I didn't know there was different perspectives to look at drawing, but it makes sense. When you look at drawings, now you can kind of say, oh, that's a one-point or two-point. You can sound like you really know what you're talking about, all right? Then there's three types or primary types of points of view when you're writing. The first person type uh, narrative is when it's an I or we. It's almost like the person writing it is the character, and he's telling or she's telling you the story. Then there's the second person uh, point of view. That's the you, all right? A story that makes you uh, feel like you're a part of it. It's directed at you. And then the third person, the he or her, that's the when you're on the outside looking in and you're just kind of like um, just watching it happen. And so I got thinking about these perspectives and I'm like, oh, that's interesting that there's different perspectives in art and the way people draw. There's different perspective in the way that stories are written and how we can look at those. And I got thinking, you know, we live in a world with a ton of different perspectives or points of view on things. Um, 
not just in America, but all around the world. I mean, I'm not going to go into America how many different points of view there are on stuff. But if you go into the world, for instance, um, think about a cow. If you're raised or born in certain parts of our world, the way that you view a cow could be that a cow is a very sacred animal that should be honored and cherished. And there's people even in our area that believe that about cows. Now, if you are raised from my point of view, when you look at a cow, you're looking at a nice piece of steak. Right? I mean, but again, it depends on where you're raised, what your point of view is, where you come from, different perspectives. When we think about Scripture, when it comes to books of the Bible, all the books are important. All the books give us a different perspective on who God is and what He does. But when you look at the book of John, it's not, this just isn't my opinion, this is an opinion of many. If there was one book that was the most important book in all the Bible, John would probably be the number one or very close to the top. John is one of those books that really gives you a picture of who Jesus is. And even Bible publishers, when they publish, when they're not publishing the whole Bible, a lot of times they'll publish the Gospel of John. You'll give out Gospels of John. I've talked to people that have just given their life to Christ and they're like, hey, I want to start reading the Bible. Where should I start? Hey, start in the book of John. So one of the things I want to encourage you over the next several months is take some time to read the book of John. And I was just talking to somebody right before this service, and the cool thing about Scripture is it's a living document. And that means every time you read it, the Holy Spirit will show you something different than the other time that you read it. And if you were going to spend time in the book, the book of John is the fourth gospel in Scripture. You go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those first books Four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels, but John was written after the first three were already written. In fact, they were already out, not not publication, but they were already being read to the church. John's writing his towards the end of his life. He sits down and remembers this. John is 90%, 90% of what's in John isn't found in the other Gospels. It's a different view. Even though it's one of the Gospels, even though it's talking about the time that Jesus went on earth, he's giving you a different perspective. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were kind of written on like an earthly, uh, hey, the average person or uh, different groups of people, this is what we want you to see. This is how we, we look at Jesus. Where John was written more from a heavenly perspective. Not how we view him, but how does God view Jesus? What does God think of Jesus? What, what, what's the heavenly perspective on who Jesus is? And John has a goal in mind. He's trying to get us to understand something. In fact, We go to the end of the book in John chapter number 20 and verse number 30. John gives us what his purpose of the book is. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. In fact, they talk about later that if the world couldn't even contain all the books written about what Jesus had done. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. So that's the perspective that John wants us to take of Jesus. He wasn't concerned about what Jesus said or what Jesus did. In fact, the part about being said, there's no parables in the book of John. Parables were a big part of the first three gospels. They're earthly stories with heavenly meanings, great ways to illustrate. John said, I'm not putting any parables in. I'm going to put miracles in so that you can see what Jesus did, but that wasn't the point of why he was writing. He wrote that so we could see who Jesus was. He wanted us to understand 
who Jesus was. Why is that so important, though? Why does it matter what we think of Jesus? John says so that you can have life in his name. In fact, over 90 times in the book of John, the word life is mentioned. Many of us, we sit here and we say, well, we know what he's referring to. He's referring to eternal life. He's talking about having eternal life. And yes, that is what he was referring to lots of times. He's returning to our life after death. But he's not just stopping there. He says, also, I want you to understand what life looks like now. One of my favorite verses in Scripture, John 10.10, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant. Jesus wasn't talking about eternal life there. He was talking about our life here on earth. John says, listen, your view of Jesus determines the kind of life that you're going to live. And when we think about that, when we think about my view of Jesus determines the life I'm going to live, I think all of us sitting in this room, whether we know Jesus or not, whether we're a Christ follower or not, we want to live a good life. We want life to have purpose. We want life to have meaning. When we're young, sometimes we just think about life in the here and now. How does this affect me right now? I'm hungry, so I'm going to go eat. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Don't care. I'm going to make some quesadillas at my house and leave the dishes for my mom to find in the morning. That's never happened at my house. That was just an instance in case it's happened at yours. (laughs) But I'm hungry right now. As we get older, we start to think about more than just the here and now. And we think about, hey, where is my life going? Where have I been? And as we get a little bit older, sometimes we're like, am I where I thought I would be when I was this age? Is my life what I thought it would be? All of us, we want to live a good life. We want to have a life abundant. But really what it boils down to is what is our view of Jesus? How do we look at Jesus? What's our perspective on him? So our prayer for you during this series as we go through this series called Perspective is that you will be open-hearted and open-minded to see what John said about Jesus. Because whether you know Jesus or not, what is written in this book can radically change your life. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the preacher and I'm supposed to get you excited about the book of John because I'm up here talking about it for the next 20 minutes. I honestly believe that if we get the view that John had of Jesus in our life, it changes everything about what we do. So before we jump into this book today, let's just take a moment and ask God to speak through Scripture to us today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have this opportunity. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Scripture and for the ways that we see how you love us and how you care about us, Lord, and the And, uh, Lord, we ask that over the next few minutes that you would clear our hearts and minds so that we could focus on what it means to be a Christ follower, what it means to believe that you are the Son of God. Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. I ask that I would say the words that you would have me to say, that the good news of Jesus Christ would be plain and clear and easy to understand. We thank you for your love for us, and we ask that you'll be honored and glorified with what happens. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So obviously we're in the book of John, and we're going to start right at John chapter 1 and verse number 1. So if you have a copy of Scripture, I challenge you to look at it. We'll also have it up here on the screen. But John 1.1 says this, In the beginning 
was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So John writes these first three verses, then verses 4 through 10 are almost like a parenthesis in between his thought because then he goes down to verse number 14 and he says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So right away, John jumps into Scripture. He doesn't and his gospel starts different. He doesn't worry about the birth of Christ. He does, it's not mentioned in the book of John, man. He just jumps right in and says, in the beginning. Sounds a little bit familiar, kind of like Genesis. He says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, the Word there is Jesus Christ. Right away, he wants you to know that Jesus is God. He doesn't mess around with it. I want to encourage you, there are many false religions out there that their version of Scripture right there, and John John, John 1, 1 will say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was like a God, or the Word was a God. If you have somebody knock on your door wearing white shirts and black ties, Ask them for their copy of Scripture. Open up John 1.1 1, 1 and see what it says right there. That will tell you everything you need to know about whether or not you agree with what they're trying to teach you. Because John doesn't say he was like a God. John doesn't say he was a God or one of the gods. John says he was God. And right off the bat, John wants you to look at the person of the word. Look at the person of the word. He wants you to know that Jesus Christ is deity. He is God. In fact, later on through John, he talks about how Jesus is the one that spoke this world into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus was there. He was the God that was creating the heavens and the earth. He's the one that spoke this universe into existence. He's the one that spoke this earth into existence. The words came from his mouth, and this world was created. We don't think it was a big bang. We don't think it was evolution. We believe that God created this world with his words. And John, Jesus was the one speaking those words. He was present. Jesus understood who he was. In John 17, 5, he says this to the Father. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. John is establishing right off the bat, he wants you to get a view of Jesus, that Jesus is God. He wasn't created by God. He wasn't some new entity. No, he's been around since before time began. He is God. Wanted no confusion in anyone's mind on what to believe. You say, why is that important? Because John's going to establish, as you go through the book, that Jesus is the Savior. No man can be a savior for us. No man could do what Jesus did for us. It had to be a perfect, sinless sacrifice on the cross to save us from our sins. And unfortunately, today, we live in a world where people put their faith in a lot of different things. They believe in a lot of different things. Everybody believes in something. 
Even if you say you don't believe in God, you believe in something. You're believing in yourself. You're believing in some system. Maybe you're believing in science. Some people put their faith in the government. The government is a system that's going to let you down every time. Why? Because man is involved and man is sinful. Government after government throughout all the history of time has failed. What makes you think ours is going to be any different? Some people, they put their faith in a system of beliefs. There are even people that claim to know Jesus Christ that really aren't putting their faith in him. They're putting their faith in the system like, hey, I checked the box. I had my daily encounter this week. Hey, I showed up to church. Hey, I put something in the bucket when it passed in front of me. I'm doing all the things to do the right. I must be okay because I'm doing it. And they forget that their faith shouldn't be in a system. It should be in a savior. We have to ask ourselves that. Am I believing in a system or am I believing in a savior? What are we putting our faith, what are we putting our trust in? What are we believing? A system or a savior? The choice is ours. What we have to understand is Jesus is the savior of the world. Our belief should be in him. We should trust in him. Passage goes on in John chapter 1 and verse number 4. It says this, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. It goes on, verse number 8. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. A couple things that we see in this passage. One of my favorite things is is talking about light there. This idea of the word being light. And John, if you get a literal translation of verse number 5, where in our ESV it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. A literal translation of what the Greek words mean would sound like this. And the light keeps on shining in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it or understood it. As we know... Darkness cannot overcome light. It can't. If there's a light on, darkness cannot overcome it unless one thing happens. The light goes out. Only when the light is turned off can darkness thrive. Today, to illustrate this point, I've asked Rich in the back to cut all the lights. So we're about to cut off. There you go. He did it quick this time. Now, I realize it's not completely dark in here. When I was a kid, I went to Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. We walk in Mammoth Cave, and you get in this big area, and they say, all right, everybody lean up against the cave wall, and they hit the light switch. And you want to talk about utter darkness. There was not, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. But darkness doesn't drive out the light. In fact, the only reason it's dark in here is because we turned out the lights. I have a flashlight here. If I'm to turn this flashlight on, even though it's not a ton of light, it gives you a perspective. And it's amazing how we can focus on this light. And this light isn't much. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, though. Some of you already have them out. If you have your cell phone out, pull it out and turn the the flashlight on. Good night. Some of you got really light brights on that. 
I almost feel like we should sing Silent Night, but <laughs> isn't, yeah, I'm fine without it, all right? Isn't it amazing when we all turn our lights on and not everybody has their flashlight on? Some of you, I'm not participating. Shame on you for having your cell phone out during church, all right? <laughs> but isn't it amazing when we all turn our lights on, how the darkness is driven out? All right, you can cut them off and we'll turn the lights back on. We'll come back to that in a second. There's one more thing, though. It says there was a man sent from God named John. This John referred to right here is not the John that is writing this book. Okay? I was like 11 or 12 before I figured that out. Good Christian school education, all right? This is referring to John the Baptist. There was two Johns. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. John the Baptist was a prophet sent by God to proclaim that Jesus Christ had come. John understood that his purpose in life was not to be the light. Now, John the Baptist was an unusual character. Scripture says that he lived in the wilderness, and he wore like a camel hair jacket, and he ate locusts and honey. If John were to walk in today, he would be one of those people that the pastor would get called over to because you'd think he'd need help. Just being honest. He was an unusual character. But John understood that his life was not to be the light, it was to reflect the light. Hey, I'm to tell other people that the Messiah has come, Jesus is here. When we think about that and we look at our life and we think about the light and the darkness we just illustrated, we live in a world of darkness. The problem is the darkness isn't driving out the light, the light's just gone out. Because only the light can drive out the darkness. We live in a world that needs Jesus. We live in a world that we need to to reflect. And what John is trying to get us to understand is he wants us to understand the purpose of the word. You say, well, what's the purpose? To be the light unto the world. I think all of us, we want to live for a purpose. I remember, I think it's been like 20 years ago now, a guy by the name of Rick Warren came out with a book called The Purpose Driven Life. And I'm not kidding you, and some of you are old enough to remember this, that book went on like wildfire. You know why? Because everybody wants a purpose for their life. A purpose driven life? Well, I want a life that's driven by a purpose. What we have to understand is our purpose on this earth is to reflect the light of Jesus. That's why we're created. Whether you're a Christ follower or not, I promise that's why he created you. See, I don't don't agree with that. That's fine. But I think scripture teaches us we're created to reflect the light. So we have to ask ourselves, does my life reflect the light in the darkness? Is my life reflecting that light. I get so excited when I walk out there and I see that display out there with those ping pong balls and names written on those ping pong balls where you guys have reflected the light of Jesus in your life. Just between services, I was out there talking to one of our guest services lead and he went outside and he reflected the light of Jesus. A guy was giving us a hard time and he went out and was super nice to him. Tried to get him to come inside and get some coffee and come into service. 
why he was reflecting the light of Christ in his life. Because he understands that's the purpose that we should live by. John the Baptist was a great man. John the Baptist had a great following that followed John the Baptist. But he said, listen, you're not following me. We're following Jesus. I'm pointing you to Jesus. He's the Messiah. The word came to be the light, and we're to reflect that light. So John finishes this thought in chapter 1 and verse number 10 where he says this. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. How sad is that? Jesus, a Jew, the promised Messiah that they'd read about in the Old Testament, that they'd heard the prophets and the priests teach over and over and over again. Hey, there's a Messiah coming. And he shows up and they reject him. He's rejected by his own people. The thought doesn't stop there, though. Look at verse number 12. But, now I highlighted that because that's a big but. And some of you are starting to sing the song in your head. Don't do it. We're not going to sing it. Okay, first service I said that and like I turned back this way to read the verse and somebody started laughing because I finally remembered the song. But anyway, if you don't know it, ask somebody else, all right? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John says, listen, Jesus came to be this light. And those that believe in this light, those that put their trust in the word, become the children of God. John kind of foreshadows things he will address later in the book about being this being born and how. Some of you might be familiar with the book of John. You know, yeah, they talk about this being born again quite a bit. But John points out three things about this. He says, first of all, it's not those born of blood. What he's saying is it doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what color skin you are. It doesn't matter what country you're from. We're all equal. Then he says you're not born of the will of the flesh. This has the idea, the Greek here has the idea of passion. We're born because two people come together passionately usually. He says, listen, it doesn't matter how passionate you are about what you believe. If you don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, then you're passionately wrong. And he said, the will of man. What John is saying here is it doesn't matter how determined you are. It doesn't matter how set you are. It doesn't matter how you think you're right. The only way is through God. The only way to be born again, the only way to have eternal life is through the power of the word. Some translations in John 1, 12 replace that word right with power. And what John is reminding us, he's reminding us to look at the power of the word. Look at the power of the word. Only through his power, only through the rights that he gives us can we be part of the family. This power comes from the word in our life. Paul understood this. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said this. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, 
lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. He goes on in verse number 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In verse 7, he finishes the thought. He said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. This power that we're to live our life doesn't come from us, it comes from God. It doesn't stop at salvation, though. It's available to us every day. Yet how often do we suppress the power of God in our life? How often do we live our life under our own strength, under our own will? I think for some of us that are Christ followers, one of the things that we might struggle with is we know how to make it look like we're living in the power of God. Some of you know my story. I lived for years living a lie. To the casual observer, oh man, he's serving God, he's living for God, but I was doing it in the power of my own strength, not the power of his might. We have to ask ourselves, is our life governed by our will or his power? Am I living my life doing my own thing my own way or am I subjecting myself and allowing the power of God to work through me? One of the things we're big about is, hey, share your story with other people. In fact, we got this big display out there. You heard me refer to it earlier. These ping pong balls. Hey, if you tell somebody about Jesus, share the gospel with them, write their name on a ping pong ball. If they accept Jesus, get a yellow ping pong ball and write their name on it. And it's been fun to watch that thing fill up over the past several months. Can I be honest with you? You know one of the things that scares the snot out of me? Talking to people about Jesus that I don't know. It's real easy for me to stand up here and talk to you guys. I still get nervous, but it's different. But for me to walk out of here, walk down the street and say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? That scares me to death. And unfortunately, I can tell you time after time in my life when I've lived in my own strength and my own power and I've failed because I'm scared. But thanks to God and his grace and the power that he fills us with, the times that I've been not living in my own strength but in the power of him, he's given me the strength to share the gospel with people. You have no idea. You think, man, he's a preacher. He's been doing this a while. He should be able to do that. You'd think, it still scares me. It still makes me uncomfortable. In fact, if we were together, let's say me and Bill were somewhere, I'd say, hey, Bill, tell them about Jesus. You say, oh, I'm just, try- I'm just trying to let Bill have the opportunity. I've done it enough. I want Bill to get the chance. Really, it's, ooh, I'm glad somebody's with me. They have to tell him. And maybe there's some things like that in your life where you say, man, I just can't do that. I'm too afraid. Let me encourage you that through the power of God, we can do incredible things for him. We'll just live in his power and not our own will. So this first passage in John that we tackle, we see Jesus, we see John presenting this perspective of Jesus as the word. We saw the person of the word who Jesus was. Are we putting our belief in systems or are we putting our belief in the Savior? 
Then John said, I, don't, I just don't want you to see the person of Jesus or the word. I want you to see the purpose of the word. The purpose of the word was to be the light. To be the light. Do we see Jesus as the light so much so that we're willing to reflect that light? Is our life about us or is it about telling other people about Jesus? Then John closes this out and he says, hey, there's also power in the word. We're going to live that purpose out in our life. We have to have his power living through us. He has to be working in us. If we want to see any success, it can't be in our own strength. It has to be in the strength of him and him alone. There's a couple ways to apply this. First of all, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I think you've probably recognized the person of the word. You understand that Jesus is the Christ. It's kind of important that you understand that if you're going to give your life to him and trust him for not only this life but your afterlife. So for us that follow Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, am I living out the purpose? Am I reflecting the light? Am I telling other people my story of what Jesus has done for me? Am I sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those around me? If I'm living that purpose out, am I doing it in the power of my will or his strength? Those things apply to us. Maybe you sit here and say, well, I want to have purpose for my life. I want to... It has to start with the person of the word, and that's Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If we don't put our faith and trust in him, really we're aimlessly wandering through life. You say, well, I live a good life and I do some good things. That's all great. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, at some point those things are going to disappear. Today, maybe you sit here and you say, you know, I, I wish that I had hope in somebody like Jesus. I wish that I knew Jesus. Well, the great thing is, one, if you keep coming, you're going to see what John wants us to perceive Jesus as. But two, you don't have to wait. Jesus has done all the work. Jesus, the one who spoke this world and universe and all the universes around it into existence, loved you so much that he came to be born of a woman to live 33 years to die on a cross so that he could pay the price for our sins so that he could have a relationship with us. The God of the universe did that for you because he loves you that much. He loves us so much that he was willing to sacrifice. And today, you say, I, I want that in my life. Well, today can be the day that you give your life to him because he's done all the work. The scripture teaches us that sin is what separates us from God. But Jesus paid the price for that sin when he died on the cross and he rose three days later. And if I put my faith and my trust in him and only him, not in what I can do, but only in what he did, then I can have a relationship with him. And today, if that's the decision that you want to make, today can be that day. So if we just bow our heads in an attitude of prayer, and if you were to say, Barry, that's the decision that I want to make in my life today, but I encourage you to say something like this to him. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you are God. Jesus, I want to thank you for dying for my sins. I know that only you could pay the price for them and forgive them. I want to thank you for rising again from the dead. To show your power over sin and death. 
God, today I lower my pride and I put my faith and trust in you and only you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Lord, for those that made you the Lord of their life just now, for you, that for those that put their trust in you, God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would just draw them to yourself even right now, that they would understand that you've done all the work on the cross and in your resurrection. That, Lord, you did that because you love us, and now we can have a relationship with you because of what you did for us. Lord, for those that are still searching, for those that are still trying to decide if this is the direction that they want to go with their life. God, I ask that they would see you as God. And they would see the love that you have for them, the power that you have. And Lord, your word created universes, and yet you love us. You care about us. Lord, for those of us that know you as our Savior, I ask that we would live out the purpose that you have for our life through your power. Not try to do it on our own, not try to uh, live out something that we think is Lord, but that we would live out a purpose that reflects your light. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now today, if you gave your life to Christ, first of all, we would love to celebrate that with you. And so we, would, we believe at Miles City that moving together is better. And so we would like for you to let us know that you made that decision. There's a couple ways that you can do this. One, there's a green card. On that green card towards the top right, I think there's a box that says, hey, today I put my faith in Christ. Check that box. Put your name on there, your phone number. I'll reach out to you this week. You can catch me in the hall. I'll be out in the hall. You can drop it off at the Connect area. Or you can text the word Miles City to 94000. Fill out the prompt that says, hey, I made a faith decision today. We'd love to hear, that, hear about it from you. And pray with you, answer any questions that you might have.